How's it going, everybody? Jeff Slicky here, and I'm happy to sit down with Shelton Superintendent Wyeth Jesse here to kind of restart some good conversations and get ready to start the new school year. How you doing? I'm doing great, Jeff. Glad to be back on the radio with you. Yeah, it's exciting. It's been a little while, uh, but we're back for the new school year. It is starting on uh, the 6th here next Wednesday, and I was over at the high school earlier today. It's a bustle of work and kids are there getting their schedules and some of the crews are putting the last finishing touches on the start of the year. Let's talk about where we ended last year and what you're looking at for this upcoming school year. Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, the 2022-23 school year uh, was a really great success for us. It's the first year that we were rolling out our new strategic plan. You know, we have our four areas, high quality literacy, college and career readiness, effective teachers and leaders, and safe and welcoming environments. And so, you know, when you're starting off a new strat plan, you know, trying to get all the staff going in the same direction, how does it take? Uh, some things take, some things you just have to revise on, but we had a huge reduction in our suspension rate um, and uh, increases in our ninth grade on track, so they have six or more credits or after ninth grade. Uh, and some of that was just because of what you just saw today. Um, last year, we had a orientation, three-day orientation for our incoming ninth graders, something that our families had asked for. That's what our strategic plan represents is what they want, what the students want. And it's just, today was great. You know, you got student leaders getting the kids ready for the 23-24 school year, building off of last year, getting them ready so they can get those six credits because we know if we get them six credits after their end of their ninth grade year, they are way more likely to graduate on time and have choices when they do graduate. So let's talk about getting those credits and the reduction in the suspensions that you've been mentioning. I did hear uh, some of those numbers. I've been watching the school board meetings and uh, it's pretty impressive, near 60% reduction or something like that? 57% reduction in our suspension rate uh, from the previous year. Obviously 21, 22 school year was a tough year. Sure, had, sure. had some mixes, but also had lower attendance. So, um, you know, we know that when we are out building relationships, Jeff, that's what the staff did this year. They really, I mean, last year, they really focused on building relationships, greeting the kids at the door, giving them a do now task, let them know what the instruction's about, and then just really kind of just working with them when they were having some challenges, just using their tools in their toolbox. Hey, I, I need to get you oriented towards this lesson, getting other kids involved so they can feel like a part of the group. Those are just the moves that really help just decrease our suspension rate. And so what does that do for the overall school culture uh, if you're not kicking kids out left and right or they're gone for a week or two? It's hard to get back into the, the mix of things once you're gone. And uh, I've seen over the years when I was in high school, even they had in-school suspension and then you were <laughs> gone for a while or you could be expelled. and. None of it ever seemed to really um, benefit the child and the child's learning. Let's just work right off that, right, Jeff? Just like even most people's experiences, you know, they know somebody when they were in school that was suspended or some students got suspended a lot. And you're like, where did they go? Um, why did you come back? What, ha what even happened? Right. A little different nowadays with social media, but a lot of fictitious things are still spread out there. But you still don't quite know. And it just signals like, wait, if I'm a kind of a friend with this kid and I don't know what's going on, how, how are they connected to me in the school in right. reverse, right? Yeah. And so we know when we suspend them, they go away, the connections start to fizzle. They start to fall apart. Initially, those students have other things going on in their lives that are not going so well. 
So us adding to the problem is not going to be the right. solution. And it's tricky because we know that every student have rights to feel safe, feel welcome, get their learning. And sometimes the behaviors are telling us they're having a hard time being around their peers or in the classroom setting. So how can we read those signs early, know that work on it, right, through good counseling, getting kids involved in before or after school activities, and then also just like choice and voice, you know, so that when they are in the classroom, it's not just, come on, Jeff, tell me you didn't sit through some lecture that maybe you did fall asleep or right. were pretty much working hard for it, uh-huh. right? So those are all those moves of building the relationships, seeing who the kids are that do need more, better supports outside of the classroom. And then inside the classroom, it's just making sure they're part of the lessons and that they are empowered in their own learning. That's what our job is. Am I saying that kids aren't going to be suspended? Uh, no, of course, we're just still going to have some kids suspended, but we have over, I believe, 600 days of kids attending school that they would have lost the previous school year because of the dramatic wow. decrease in our suspension rate. Kids are threatening people. Yeah, it's a good time to go home. Regroup, right? Let's, let's as a staff, figure out what they need, what we need to do to create more safety for them and everyone else, and then get them back into school as soon as possible, get them engaged, and then like that's when we can get it. You know, there might be some rough spots for some kids. I get it. Uh, coming off COVID, there's still some residuals, shall I say, but we're a different school. We're a different school district. It seems to me like, um, you know, co- it's... I was thinking about COVID the other day and what a wild time that was where we were home and not sure what was going on. And, and so that's been about a year, year and a half now. It seems in general society, a lot of it has kind of come back to what we, you know, considered normal before that. So do you see that in the classrooms, in the schools, the teachers are, are less focused on, I mean, honestly, living, surviving, and now they're able to focus on their work and the product of getting something out to the kids that's a success. I think even last year, you know, I'm in many different circles, not just in the classrooms, but you know, the school, the staff, the community. Look, people were still kind of tired and had some some hangovers from COVID of yeah. just, you know, kind of surviving. Just like you said, you're like, how do how do I start building out my circle? Right. You know, I've, I haven't talked to my I've hardly talked to my neighbors that much over the last couple of years, like a real, you know, a real conversation that was kind of light, not just talking about like, hey, what are you doing sure. um, uh, inside your house to stay safe? You know, it's stuff that's just a lot more fun. And so I, I can feel the energy going into this school year. The kids look a lot more, uh, just more smiles. Kids are super excited. I, we had our back to school event on last Saturday. People, I had, a, I had many parents, including our families where English is not the primary language, say, I've noticed a difference. I noticed a difference in what you're doing in the schools to be safe and welcoming. And that's translating us to feeling more positive as we go into the school year. I'm watching the staff feel really a lot more energized. I feel like we're ready. I know what we're doing as a school district with our strategic plan. I got really good and I've been empowered. I got some new skills. Can't wait to start the school year. So the energy and just everyone helping support the school district, our community, 
just sets us up for success. It just You can just feel it, right? Yeah, that's great. I've been watching, like I said, some of the uh, school board meetings on Mason Web TV. Mm-hmm. You get uh, ebbs and flows on numbers when it comes to the topics of the day and things like that. The most recent hot topic that people have been talking about are the books. Yep. Uh, what What's the story on that one? How are the books chosen? Is it from an OSPI down to the district level, down to the classrooms? Or let's ex- talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I think the way to start when you start talking about books, uh, let's just talk scale. Sure. So we know just in our own community, so communities of poverty, it's likely that the average number of books inside a household is one. Okay. <laughs> so wow. we got to get books in kids' hands. So that's why to answer your question, I say, all right, how many books do we need? We need a lot of books. We... We're just at the book room at SHS, for example. It takes up three rooms, three full classrooms with shelving as tall as I am that are over six feet. Literally uh, thin walkways, all these books on the shelves. To That's how many books we need for 1,500 kids just at Shelton High School. If you multiply that against the 4,400 kids that we got, uh, we need 100,000 books, which is what we got. And so that's a lot of books, right, Jeff? Like 100,000 books we want to have on there. So we really start with our vendor list. There's a couple, pretty much two primary vendors that all school districts use across the United States, Um, especially those districts. You know, if you're relying more on more books in more kids' hands like we are, which not every district does, um, and supplying, you know, five, 600 books in a classroom, that's a lot to manage. So we do rely on our vendors to give us lists that are recommended for those texts. Again, other all these other districts, you know, hundreds of thousands of districts using these these lists. And then we go through it and we try to screen through them. Um, are they a good fit for our, our model here as far as just genre-based? Are they a quality text? Um, and then if they're not, we, we weed them out. And then, you know, like sometimes when you just get a book and you see it, you just... You know, it's not developmentally appropriate. You know, sometimes it just hits topics. Sometimes they could be gory. Sometimes they're just like about like, uh, you know, a little bit more violence than you want to take yeah. on. Or they're yeah. rom- talking about romance, you know, and relationships. And, you know, like uh, maybe maybe not so much for a fourth grader looks great for an eighth grader, right? Because we have to balance the things of their interest, right, with the teaching standards, which we are given, and then the books that are published. Sure. And there's a lot of trashy books out there. There's books that just really aren't good literature that are going to support the reading standards that well. So then we know that, hey, we got to go through this. We go through the appropriateness. And those are choice and selection. We're not forcing those books so the kids can sleep, uh, sleep through those. Those go home. Parents and guardians can read through those. Teachers use them as model text sometimes. You know, like, so it's like really it's not a big worry. Yeah, the big topic, people come to the board meeting, which again has been played out at many board meetings sure. in communities, public libraries, and so on and so forth in, across Washington State, across the nation is, what are these books that are being listed now and on watch list and, and for a variety of reasons, some of those books um, have some, some language in them, uh, you know, lewd or uh, overly sexual content in them that it might not be for some families. Most families would probably be like, that's no different than things that are the topics that are going on in movies, TV shows, magazines, 
uh, things that are going on. But for some families, that doesn't meet their value system. And right. so, again, as a district, we need to respect that. And so uh, we do have 150 books part of Lit Circles, and they are required readings. That's the big difference. Books that are here in choice and go through, kids can come through those. People have access to those. That's just like the public library. But for these required readings, we go through another layer of having community members screen through those, educators recommend them. It starts with educators recommending the books for Lit Circles. Then we have a community group review those. Um, we just short up our policies and procedures to really reflect that we're going through and going to see if there's any kind of sexual or romantic or lewd content in there that's just not developmentally appropriate. Right, right. So we just expanded that language. And so that we go through that and that's a new screen for required books and readings. And, um, and so we'll be coming up on that. And so there are gonna end up being uh, recommended a couple books to take off that were initially recommended. So we can take some of those things off of there. Um, and again, like I said, it's ongoing because new books come in and so as we come and see them, we take them off. And the thing is that parents can always request and work with their teacher. Hey, this is not how my family says, I don't want these kind of books or please screen through those. Uh, and then we, they work together as, you know, with the families to, to resolve or find a different, um, uh, a substitute that can help meet the standard, learning standard, but just doesn't fit their family values, and I get that. Is that the same sort of uh, kind of how it works when it comes to the health classes or information taught uh, that may be uh, sexual in nature where you're explaining bodily, you know, issues as you, t puberty and things like that? Are they, is that the same line where the teachers and the parents can have, they know it's coming and they can, if they need to have a kid be pulled out for that section or? Yep, that's a, there's a lot of issues in within that, but the, the clearest answer I could say is any adopted curricular materials that we have, families, it's right on the website, there's a form, they can fill it out and say, hey, here's my request based on my religious belief, right? Or yeah. my family values. Um, I'm sure many people have, it's not just books, it's I don't want my kid to have soda. I don't. Our family doesn't celebrate Halloween or Christmas. There's things that go on out there that are differences in our communities um, that we just have to work as a district to say, we need to be responsive to it. Again, our policy procedures, I believe, reflect that and then uh, move for that. But just because of what one family's values and beliefs aren't always necessarily that of others as well, right? Just because you say, I want to restrict any kind of violent content or things, doesn't also mean that other people don't mind that and that might fit them because they're like, well, that's really good written material or that topic is something that I want my kid to have access to. So, you know, as a district trying to meet all those needs yeah, and the differences right. across our, our greater community with all the diversity that we have, which is wonderful. Also, we have to be responsive the best we can to it. I uh, just passed the budget, 78.3 million, so 300,000 more than last year's school budget or so. Uh, and you mentioned 4,400 kids. How is that gonna be reflected out there? What, what are those big changes that are coming? Is that inflation or what's the, oh what's the number on that? Yeah, just like, yeah, that's, that's a really great topic. Um, you know, a lot of districts are kind of shoring up a little bit on their budgets, right? Like COVID was nice in some ways because some expenses did go down because you're not all of a sudden running your full operation right, right. Monday through Friday. 
uh, now that we're back, obviously, these last two school years, um, things are different. And the thing is, some of the things that we need to do or needed to do, like we've had to add another family support worker because we got some kids with some real needs, right? If I'm going to decrease suspensions and keep kids safe, I got to have some real mental health support. That's a cost that we have to take on as the Shelton School District. To me, that's not an option. Right. If we say we're going to have safe and welcoming environments, we say that we're going to help kids be successful at school, and they come with some real mental health needs, there's not enough resources in our community to shore that up. And so school districts, as most people I'm sure listening in, they're responsible for a lot of things. Yeah. I'm responsible for feeding a lot of the community. That's why we had to keep our doors open when I first got here. I said, we gotta keep our doors open every day. We can't, we don't, can't afford to close the school. Right. And this is where they get a lot of their social interactions. This is where they're getting their activity, right? This is where they're obviously getting education. This is where they're feeling some warmth. Some families don't have necessarily, always necessarily heat um, in their homes to the degree they need to, or their clothing um, and food. So I just, that's been uh, somewhat of our cost. Uh, really helpful that our taxpayers thank them very much for passing the levy. And, you know, I would leave them with two things just to know about this budget, Jeff, that I think are just critical. One, you know, we've increased our reliance on state and federal programmatic service. Title I, LAP, things that are for kids of poverty, we've grown in that area. It's a bigger proportion of our budget, but it also comes with more strings attached. So the normal things, the day-to-day -day stuff to run this district, you usually don't, you, you can't use those yeah. restricted dollars because they're really focused specifically on meeting the academic, social emotional learning needs of those, of those students, right? But um, turning on the lights, uh, making sure that we fix some of, our, some of our maintenance stuff, that does come from basic ed. Um, and our teachers do too. And the, the challenges are with the more restriction on those dollars, those basic ed dollars um, have to be very well thought through and then you throw on that last piece that you you put out there, Jeff, which is infl inflation. Right. We're just like everybody else. Costs are up. Costs are way up. You know, it doesn't matter which way you look at it to fix some of the things. And your eyes just go, how much is that to fix that? Like, right. what? That's crazy. Oh, we need some new chairs in there. Like, we our library needs to be redone. I got to take it in stages. I can't even redo the library that's way outdated, not a comfortable place for kids, you know? And I think most parents would agree, like, I want kids to feel comfortable when you're library than hang out across the street at the Huff and Puff. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, me too. But I gotta have a comfortable place that I just don't have, you know, those seats are expensive now. Um, the, the inflation just gets us. Insurance, uh, they just gave us a bill for $250,000 more. $250,000 more. I mean, like, that all adds up. Sure. You know, so people oh, go yeah. 80, 80 million, well, uh, 80 million and 85% of our costs are already dedicated to our personnel. That leaves a little wiggle on top of the, the restrictions we have on us, including inflation. So, yeah, anyway, I know it's a long answer, but I, I know the taxpayers out there want to know where their money's going and what, what, what are the, how's the district doing? We're doing good. We're able to pay for things to support a strategic plan. What I would tell you is that we got to watch every dollar just because a new bill that all of a sudden increases our premium or has something has to get fixed, just like everybody's households, like, oh, that's a big impact. Yeah.
Where are you seeing the biggest growth in the school grades? Are more kids coming in primary, or are you finding that kids are coming back from the COVID break into the middle school or high school section? Yeah, we're elementary. We're still in elementary. Uh, they push on that. In particular, Bordeaux and Mountain Mountain View get we get a lot of requests there. We get out of district requests. People want to send their kids. Um, uh, at the young ages and have them go through the system. Um, we're having right now just a uh, kind of flatten out little dip right now at our middle grades. Uh, so that's for folks, that's grades five through eight. And then our high schools, yeah, just kind of the same, maybe just a slight uptick, uh, depending. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what to tell you today. I don't have any butts and seats, uh, Jeff, but that's what's really important to us as superintendents go. How many kids showed up the first day? Yeah. And I really love to know the fourth day because by the fourth day, kids are settled in. Kids who realize, oh, school actually did start. Right, like, right. Those, those are the things that I'm like, all right, where, where are we at with the fourth day of enrollment? Uh, because every kid does count for us. So those are, you know, enrollment's not down. Enrollment's not, wasn't on a trajectory pre previous to COVID, was headed up. Um, I say we just kind of, uh, kind of a plateaued this last year, uh, and I'll just see you this year. I, I just don't know. I just don't know. I, I don't project anything going down for sure. I just don't think we're going to have the big upswing. It's housing too, oh, Jeff. Yeah. Come on. I mean, they're growing up in North Mason School District. They just built a bunch of ho housing up there. I wish we could do the same here. That's actually what a lot of our teachers want to live here in this community. Sure. There's nowhere for them to move to, Jeff. Yeah. So that's yeah. going to get us to. Uh, finally, let's talk about the three high schools. And now that Cedar's been kind of going strong for a little bit and Choice has been there as well, are kids seeing those different paths and options and able to kind of make those choices? Love that question, Jeff. You know, uh, the Sheldon School District, like I said before, was not, not what it was in the past. It's different today. Uh, I want everybody to hear that. Um, when people sometimes say, oh, yeah, that's a, you know, a tough logger town or whatever, and fighting and all this. Right, I'm like, right, right. Uh, go walk on the campus. We now got a ton of kids that are just sitting there leading other kids. They got a ton of things for pathways at our high school. We have an open house Friday, September 8th. Love everybody to show up at 5 o'clock. Come see what's going on. Cedar and Choice will have desks there, too. Um, and so the reason one of the things that were different is that, you know, over COVID, we opened up a alternative high school called Cedar, split off from Choice. They've had 100% graduation, Jeff, what? all three years they've wow. been open, right? And it's wow. really, it's a project-based learning school. We're in partnership with the Olympic College. It's on the campus there. And it's really for kids that are, mostly kids that are looking to go to post-secondary uh, experiences at a two or four-year institution, right? Community college or college tends to be a little bit more of the track for them. Um, SHS has got a little, like something for everyone. You know, we obviously have our academies. So if you want to get an apprenticeship, really cool that we'll have two trimesters of courses called the Freshman Academy there. Kids are learning like that first trimester is just, how do I navigate school and life as a teenager? Yeah. So critical. I can't, I just tell you as a, as a, as a dad of a, of a teenager in high school and one just left, how to navigate high school is it can be scary, um, it's, it can be complex. 
So we have that not only at SHS, but we have those um, options at Choice and, and Cedar. Uh, and then it, and we have also now 11 AP courses, so advanced placements, so college-ready courses at SHS. When I got here, it was three. Uh, the Pathways is done, as you very well know. We built out our apprenticeships, so we're really trying to get kids uh, be able to, to shadow or go out and have experiences and sometimes even paid job. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome, right? We want that. And then Choice really is it right now um, working to transform itself. Um, it's such a family atmosphere. Uh, we love, we need choice. Mason County needs choice uh, because it is a place where kids get that lot more individualized attention um, for them. Because if you don't have enough credits and something's gone wrong and, you know, things can fall apart. Choice is there to pick you up, get you to get credit retrieval so you can get back on track. Um, and that's where we bought an extra family support worker to work uh, full-time there, along with a full-time counselor, right, um, at a smaller high school to, to wrap around those kids so they, we can get to the root issues in addition to helping them get credits, right? Because sometimes for some of those kids walking the door, it's not really so much there to get credits or like how to figure out life or right. get help. Right. So that's what we're changing different there, and so I'm really proud about those efforts. It'll take us some time, but I feel great that we have those options, those three high schools. Yeah, here. yeah. I, I mean, I didn't have those types of different paths when I was in high school or anything. Well, I heard somebody just had a conversation last week. It was like, I don't remember ever like these kind of different high schools and stuff like that. And they might have even existed to some degree, but not to the extent that like we have for a district our size. Yeah, it's really robust, and so we're fully vested in that model for us. It's working, and it helps me again to meet the needs of of the students we have to serve. Well, the Shelton School District's getting ready to start on the 6th, and that open house is an important one, Friday the 8th, and it goes from 5 right up until kickoff from the home football game against Bremerton. So that'll be a great reason to stick around, too. Uh, and we'll continue these conversations as the school years goes on. Thank you. Food trucks. Oh, yeah, I heard, I heard about Coach, coach told trucks. me that there's going to be food trucks. That might be trucks. the selling point, but thanks so much, Jeff.